0: So nice to have you along. Welcome in, everybody, to the Beyond the Game program, coming to you from our BTG studio in Rochester, New York, along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. Sports talk without the trash talk. Check out our website, btgprogram.com, or you can give us a follow on Twitter, maybe even a like on Facebook, at BTG Program. Zach, let's get right to it, because I want to tell you what it is that is frosting my fanny. You know what frosts my fanny? You watch your language. Did that totally frost your fanny? Get off my lawn. Man, that'll frost your fanny. If your life had a face, I would punch it. That really frosts my fanny. Easy, compadre. Did I just frost your fanny? As a matter of fact, you did. There seems to be a trend afoot where social media trolls fancying themselves as journalists dig up some embarrassing thing a person said in their awkward teenage years and then use it to ruin what should be one of the most memorable moments of their life. It happened last year during the All-Star Game when Milwaukee Brewers' Josh Hader had racist, homophobic, and sexist tweets made public from seven years prior. And it happened again last weekend, this time to Heisman Trophy Kyler Murray, whose anti-gay tweets from when he was 14, 15 years old, came to light on what should have been one of the biggest weekends of his life. Murray apologized by tweeting, I apologize for the tweets that have come to light tonight from when I was 14 and 15. I used a poor choice of words that doesn't reflect who I am or what I believe. I did not intend to single out any individual or group. Now, I'm not defending the dopey things these young people said when they were in their teenage years. They were mean, cruel, and hateful for sure. But I also think they were probably foolish and ignorant in the truest sense of the word, that they had no idea really what they're saying. Who didn't say stupid things as a teenager that they came later to regret? Probably all of us. This kid knows what he said was stupid, but that is what teenagers do, because he did what we hopefully all have done, learned from our mistakes. The fact that someone had to go all the way back that far because there had been nothing since is indication that these young people have learned, that Murray, in fact, had learned. You had to go back to 14 and 15 years old just to get something because there's been nothing since. That tells me the kid learned. You're not uncovering Watergate here. Leave the kid alone. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 says, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Let me also share a couple of things I heard that I had to laugh at. A segment we call, You Talk Too Much. They be constantly beefing, man, when they should just be chilling. Word, they need to learn. Shut up! Shut up, just shut up, shut up. Shut up, just shut up, shut up. You talk too much, you worry me to death. Yuggity, yuggity. Free agent pitcher Adam Ottavino, who over eight big league seasons is 17 and 20. He has 17 saves. He struck out 51 guys. He appeared on MLB's StatCast podcast, and he had this to say about Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth with that swing, swinging that bat. I got him hitting a buck 40. With <laughs> eight homers. And he's like, Are you nuts? Babe Ruth would hit 370 with 60 homers. And I'm like, I would strike Babe Ruth out every time. Like, I'm not trying to disrespect them. You know, rest in peace, you know. Shout out to Babe Ruth. But it was a different game. I mean, the guy ate hot dogs and drank beer and did whatever he did. And it was just a different game. Shut up! Have you ever considered that perhaps Babe Ruth would also benefit from today's technology? That he would also benefit from such things as launch angles and swing velocities? No. You're not going to strike Babe Ruth out every time. Then there was also New York Mets manager Mickey Calloway, who said from the baseball winter meetings that he would excuse Robinson Cano for not hustling. Calloway was asked about whether or not he was at peace with the fact that Cano would not run out routine ground balls to second base, to which he said this. I am. I think that Robbie deserves the uh, leeway on that. And, and the reason is, it's not because, oh, you know what, he got out, he's frustrated. That's not the reason he does that. He does it so he can play 155 games. Yuggity, 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 all the time. Are you kidding me? Are, you are okay with it? There's one team in New York pulling apart many Machado's comments from the fall about his lack of hustle. And there's another team in New York whose manager is saying he's okay with a player not giving 100%, not running out the baseline. Because after all, he's got to play 150-some games. But wait, there's more from Callaway. When asked further, after hearing he would excuse Cano's lack of hustle, how that would affect then other players, such as rookie shortstop Ahmad Rosario, Callaway had this to say. Rosario's going to understand that's Robinson Cano doing that and he probably can't do the same thing that Robbie can do because he doesn't have that experience and probably doesn't quite understand the things that Robbie does when he's doing that. I know players are not going to sprint to first on every play, but is Callaway thinking that Rosario will be okay with it, that he'll be okay with the double standard of allowing Cano to get away with not hustling? Joe Torre was famous in his time with the Yankees for not treating every player the same way. But though he didn't treat them the same way, he would never have had treated them differently when it came to their effort on the field. There was the same standard, though some players were handled a little differently. Sure, Robinson Cano's a veteran. Sure, Robinson Cano's a great player, uh, or at least a very good player. But come on, he you got to give him to get 100% on the field. It's why the Mets are the Mets. Coming up on today's show, we'll talk some college football, and I ask you this question. Is it a lack of commitment to the team or to one's teammates to skip their bowl game in favor of protecting themselves and preparing for next year's NFL's draft? Thanks so much for being with us. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Here is the Red Hawks recap for the week covering up through Wednesday, December 13th. The Red Hawks recap being brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. Both the men's and women's swim teams were in Allentown, Pennsylvania last weekend to take part in the 2018 Falcon Invitational hosted by Cedar Crest College. The women's team turned in a first-place finish riding freshman Cameron Perry's victory in the 100-yard backstroke, as well as the first-place performance from the 200-yard medley relay team. The men came in third place and were led by second-place finishes by both freshman Mateus Morrow in the 500-yard freestyle and junior Joshua Moore in the 200-yard invitational medley. That was the only action for Red Hawks teams this past week. Both the men's and women's basketball teams will be in New York City this weekend for road games against New York Institute of Technology and at LIU Post. Roberts Wesleyan Athletic teams won't be back in action at home until after the new year. But remember, you can follow all the action away from home at their website, robertsredhawks.com. And of course, you can follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC RWCRedHawks. This has been the Red Hawks recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back to the show. This is the Beyond the Game program. So glad you could be with us. We're talking sports, but we're doing it from a faith-based point of view. As you know, Urban Meyer has announced he's retiring. He's stepping down after Ohio State's upcoming appearance in this year's Rose Bowl game. And he's cited a number of reasons for doing this, among which, of course, are continued health concerns. And he's had to make this decision before, retired due to his health. And he's always come back because of that passion that he has for coaching. And I'm not saying it won't happen again, but I don't think we're going to see him on the sidelines anymore. He's got these health issues that are serious health issues, a brain cyst that causes, uh, among other things, these serious headaches due to the pressure he puts on himself. And there is a huge amount of pressure as a head coach of one of the top football programs in the country But since he's made this retirement announcement, as unfair as it is, some people in sports talk media and even more idiots on social media have speculated that he's using his health as an excuse, that he is lying to protect his legacy, which clearly took a hit earlier this year when he was suspended four games at the start of the season due to his lack of action in dealing with an assistant coach who had domestic violence charges levied against him. And look, these were serious charges. I think Ohio State let him off the hook. I think Urban Meyer was wrong. But none of that matters. None of that matters. It is highly irresponsible. Unless you are in that circle of people with whom Urban Meyer talks to about his health concerns, it is irresponsible for you, especially if you consider yourself a journalist to speculate on it. My son-in-law and I were watching that Michigan-Ohio State game, and we were talking at the time about the possibility and even addressed that we thought it's likely that both coaches from that game are gone. And now that Urban Meyer has announced his his retirement, I'm wondering about Michigan's Jim Harbaugh. And I think there's Even more pressure. Look, he's not had the success at Michigan that he would have liked. I'm sure of that, especially against Ohio State. But at least, and I'm not saying he makes excuses, but at least he always had that uh, excuse sort of built in that one of the all-time great college coaches was on the other sideline. And now with Urban Meyer gone, I wonder if that puts more pressure on Harbaugh. Like I said, I don't think this is why he would walk away. But I just wonder if it puts more pressure on them. And it seems like every time they lose to Ohio State, the heat gets turned up a little higher. But the biggest reasons I wonder about Harbaugh leaving Michigan is, man, there's some pretty tempting job openings that are going to be available in the NFL. And I'm not saying he's going to be offered them. How do I know? But that Green Bay job, I mean, it's the Green Bay Packers. That's Aaron Rodgers. That has to be tempting if that job offer were to come his way, boy, I think you'd be hard pressed, wouldn't you? and then you got the New York Jets, and of course, it's the Jets. we all want to giggle about the Jets, but it's new York, and it's it's a team with a promising young quarterback, uh not really a successful history, and if he could come in there and get that quarterback to lead that team to some successful level. Oh, he'd be a legend. I just think it's something interesting to watch in the months ahead. But getting back to Meyer, though, I saw a report, as you might expect, that some Ohio State commitments from the 2020 recruiting class have decommitted. This is 2020. This is not the kids who have signed a national letter of intent who is, if I understand it right, if you've signed an NLI, you have to go to the school you you signed that intention to go to Otherwise, you lose, lose your scholarship. You lose the financial aid. But these kids, as far as I know, 2020 class, they're just making a verbal commitment. And I know the media covers this, but I kind of giggle about it because why are you asking a 16-year-old kid or younger what school they want to play athletics at? I mean, these guys don't even know for sure what girl they like, do they? How many times do you hear of players changing their mind? Now, I look, if the coach retires, gets fired— I think there's more than good reason to reconsider. This summer, I think there was a kid who committed to Virginia, within 20 minutes had decommitted, and if I'm not mistaken, recommitted again. I'm not demeaning the kid. I'm not demeaning his ability to make a serious commitment. I'm just wondering, why are you putting this kid in that position? Let him be a kid. Who cares until he signs that national letter of intent? And I do think it makes sense when a coach retires or gets fired. In fact, I think it makes so much sense that maybe if you're any scholarship athlete, you should be given an opportunity or a time frame to be able to opt out if your coach is is removed. Uh, Consider yourself a running back, and you're playing for – you've gone to a school, you're playing for a coach who's a smash-mouth, run-first guy. Well, he gets fired in favor of a pass-oriented guy. Well, that's going to affect the amount of times you carry the ball. It's going to affect your draft status maybe even how many plays you're in the game. Uh, maybe you should have an opportunity to reconsider going to another school. But one of the commitment levels of college football players I, I am questioning, and I can't get my hands around this thing, how I feel about it. Players, this this trend where players are choosing not to play in their bowl game because they don't want to risk injury and they want to prepare for the NFL draft, how is that not quitting on your team? How is it not bailing on your teammates? Listen, if you are worried about the draft and getting hurt for the draft, and if you are that draft worthy, then you are probably an impact player on your team. And now you're going to bail in the bowl game? And I guess what I don't understand is why is the bowl game so insignificant as compared with the last three or four regular season games? What if a team had become bowl eligible? and then lost the last two or three games. They're not ranked. They are maybe finished the season seven and six, but they've been bowl eligible for a while. Those last few games had no meaning. You were already bowl eligible. You're not ranked. You're not figuring into the college football playoffs. To me, the bowl game would be more exciting. Travel with your teammates. Have some fun. Go someplace and play a game, probably against a team you don't see very often. I just, to me it's quitting. I think it's a terrible trend. I don't know the answer to it because certainly I can't really say what someone else should do in that situation. Personally, I think you should play, but that's really up to you. But I think it's a terrible trend, and I think at some point you have to address it if you're college football, especially if your best players are saying, you know what, I'm not going to play in this game. The sponsors who put on those bowls, uh, they're not going to take too lightly to it. I'm sure of that. But I think there's a challenge there for Christians. I think too many Christians opt out as if it was a college bowl game. First Kings chapter 8, verse 61 says, Let your heart, therefore, be wholly devoted to the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and to keep his commandments as at this day. There are millions of Christians in America, and yet come election day, maybe half of them will find their way to the polls. There are millions of Christians in America, and the divorce rate among Christians is not all that different from the divorce rate among the secular world. And for that matter, if there are so many people who claim to believe in Christ, why are we not having more of an impact on that lost world around it? I believe it's because many Christians are simply not truly committed. Take the fact that on any given Sunday morning, any Sunday, there are empty pews in churches all over the country. Where is the commitment? If we truly believe, as the Bible says in Acts 4.12, that there is none other name under heaven whereby we must be saved, then why are not more Christians sharing that message of Jesus Christ and God's love and grace and mercy and see those empty pews get filled? It's because of a lack of commitment. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Real commitment does not have an on-off switch. Man, it is 365 days a year. It is 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Your spiritual life is not a Sunday thing. It's, It's as much a Sunday thing as it is a Monday through Saturday thing. If we're really committed to God, it will show. And speaking of church attendance specifically, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 that we should not forsake gathering together, while at the same time that passage reminds us of God's faithfulness. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 to 25 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Whether it's something that distracts us from church itself, or something that distracts us from sharing our faith or growing in our faith, if we're not committed, it ends up becoming uh, uh, complacent, and we end up having a, a compromise of our convictions. We need to be committed. Mark chapter 4 verse 19 says, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. God looks for commitment. God looks for those who are committed, and he wants to do a, a great work in them. He wants to accomplish a mighty work through them. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely is. We were put on this earth to have an impact on those around us. By serving others, we're actually serving God. Let me encourage you to renew your commitment to him. And remember, remember how committed he was to you even before you made a decision to follow him. Romans five eight says, But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Our gifts, our abilities, even our time and talent, those things aren't given to us for our own benefit, but they're given to us to use for the benefit of others. I want to challenge you. Renew that commitment to the Lord. In fact, I hope that's not just a challenge. I hope you find that encouraging. Thanks again for being with us. I'm Rick Benson. He's Zach Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. Hey, folks, Benson here. Both Zach and myself want to take a moment and thank you for your support throughout this year and to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. I hope you'll take an opportunity this season to pause and reflect on what Christmas is all about, to paraphrase Psalm 46.10, to be still and know that He is God. You see, all of us are sinners, and because we are, we can't get to heaven on our own merit. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also tells us that God loves us, so much so that He sent His Son to die on the cross as a sacrifice to pay the debt of all our sins. John 3 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is what Christmas is really all about. God sending us his son to make for us a path to eternal life, the free gift of forgiveness of sins. The birth at Bethlehem happened, so the cross at Calvary would as well. Why? Because God wants us all to be saved from an eternity in hell. 1 Timothy two four says he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. After his birth in the manger, Jesus lived a perfect life. And though he didn't have to, since of course he had never sinned, he gave his life on the cross to pay the cost of your sins and mine. But there's more to it than that. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Instead, he rose again, defeating death and making it possible for us all to go to heaven as a result of his righteousness if only we accept that free gift. Forgiveness of sins is available to all people. God's grace is freely available to everyone. First John 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10.9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Pray to God and tell him that you know you're a sinner. Tell him you believe that Jesus died on the cross and start a new life, repenting from sins and seeking after God. If you want to know more about what it means to be a Christian, you can visit our website, btgprogram.com. I hope this Christmas season is your very best one ever and one that sees you grow closer to God. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for sticking around as we do almost every week. We'll close out our show with our You Like That segment. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25 says this. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due, and yet it results only in want? The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. The L.A. Lakers made a road trip into Memphis last weekend to take on the Grizzlies, which meant that it was a work night for Grizzlies assistant equipment manager Breonna Miller. Despite working for the home team, she showed up wearing a pair of LeBron James's brand shoes. As she was picking up gear around the visiting team's bench, her hero, LeBron James, who remembered that she always wore a pair of his shoes, came up to her to say hello and gift her with a new pair of LeBrons, the ones he wore that night during the game. James said, every year I come here, she's always worn a very exclusive pair of my shoes, and I've always noticed it, and I've never said anything to her. Tonight, I said something to her. Miller remarked that, I'm not a fan just when LeBron comes. I'm a fan when he's not looking, so it was just really cool to see him appreciate me i'm just always trying to make the lakers or any team he's on comfortable because i know it's hectic it's just trying to do my job and he blessed me with a pair of shoes not only lebron's generosity but also his noticing the little things such as what shoes the assistant equipment manager had on in memphis is what like i like that? this week like that? and since it's getting close to christmas and the giving spirit is high let me give you one more Adam Schefter tweeted this week that Cincinnati Bengals Pro Bowl defensive tackle Geno Atkins and his wife Kristen surprised 50-plus Cincinnati families this holiday season by paying house and medical bills, adoption funds, tuition assistance, and shopping sprees while spending quality time with patients at Cincinnati Children's Hospitals. The incredible kindness and generosity of Geno Atkins and his wife Kristen is also what I like this week. This has been the Beyond the Game program, so glad you could be with us for this week's show. We'd love to have you get involved. You know we use Sports Talk Radio to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, as well as sharing biblical applications from the world of sports with listeners all around the world, and we do that each and every week. But we couldn't do it without you. It's because of the financial gifts of people such as yourself that the Beyond the Game program is on the air. Please consider a financial contribution to this radio ministry, and if you have a business, consider advertising during the beyond the game program for more information or to make a donation visit our website btgprogram.com once again that's btgprogram.com for zach barletta i'm rick benson lord willing we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time be bold and be great this week everybody